You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. And welcome to Sunday Coffee, a day early this week, here on a Saturday, a snowy Saturday here in Mississippi's College Town in Starkville, Mississippi. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Starkville on a cold Saturday. And, of course, the reason we are doing this Sunday show on Saturday is we did not play today. Played a game last night, State winning game one of the three-game series against Princeton 11-2. to No baseball today, thank goodness. It's going to be wind chills in the high 20s. And then a doubleheader on Sunday, 11 a.m. start. Looks like a nine-inning and then a seven-inning affair. Charlie Winfield, let me tell you this. I don't know if it was Chris Lamonis who made the decision. I don't know if it was Scott Bradley of Princeton who made the decision. I don't know if it was the two guys getting together. I don't know who to thank this morning. But let me tell you this. Thank you for not allowing us to get out there in 30-degree weather on a Saturday. What was the game? It was very early in John Cohen's tenure where we had the team come in. Nichols. Yeah, so there's snow all over the field. And it wasn't much snow. I will give credit where credit is due. It was not a whole lot of snow. When you take the pictures from the press box, however, the grass was white. Well, I mean, it would have melted. It was very, it was, I remember that day, it was a very thin layer of snow. And, and Nichols was like, we're going home. They got, we had beaten them the first two days. We're headed to the house. And, man, everybody was upset, man. John was fired up. Oh, like we were, like, declaring a forfeit. <laughs> which ultimately got reversed. We weren't allowed to take the forfeit. <laughs> and then there was the big argument, people going into the metadata of the picture, arguing about what time it was because the Nichols coach had put out, you know, this was the field at 11, and that was really the field at 930. So, yeah, but today, cooler heads prevail. No baseball in the snow. So we'll have a doubleheader tomorrow. Nine-inning game, then a seven-inning game. And, hey, before we talk about yesterday, and I know we need to do that, but I want to jump right into a philosophical issue with you, and that is – How long is this philosophical issue going to be? I don't know. It'll be a fairly long philosophical. Could be. i just like to remind people, before you get on with the philosophy, okay, All right. that this is the Sunday coffee brought to you by Strange Brew Coffee. I didn't want to get us you know, 15 minutes into the show and not have mentioned Strange Brew Coffee. because well, I Doesn't to, coffee and philosophy go well together? It does go well together. I mean, what's, what a better place to be philosophical than at a coffee house? Don't they just kind of – don't you picture like great minds sitting around a coffee house thinking? We should have gone down to Strange Brew this morning and taped the show because Shane's been after me about that. And he says, hey, I want you boys to come in on a Sunday morning and tape the show from Strange Brew. Why would we not? I mean, because then all of a sudden you got unlimited coffee because I'm going to knock this tall boy down pretty quick. I've got my blueberry cobbler flavor coffee this morning. I went to Strange Brew and walked in there, saw a couple people, walked back out, came down here. Three locations, two in Startville. You've got the University Drive 
And then you've got the, the Spring Street. I'm holding my coffee up this morning to show you, Charlie. It's almost like I'm on a YouTube video, drink strange brew coffee. And it just hit me that even though I have it in my hand, like talking about my coffee as it's in front of my face, that on the radio you can't see it. And it so is not a visual medium. This is not a visual medium. But I am holding it up in front of Charlie right now that says, Hello, Stranger, Strange Brew Coffee. And uh, they also have the location in Tupelo, Coldstone Creamery. Hey, I'm always the guy that likes to eat ice cream on a cold day. And so today's your day to eat Coldstone Creamery. So anyway, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau will go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Agents in all 82 counties. Great customer service. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. So, Charlie, we've talked about Strange Brew. We've talked about Farm Bureau. And now you can be philosophical. So here is my baseball philosophy question for you. So we go yesterday with Preston Johnson. We bumped him up to the Friday game. And so my question is, now that you have a doubleheader, in your mind, does game one get treated from a pitching rotation standpoint as the Saturday game and game two is the Sunday game? Or do you pitch it a little bit differently because you've got that seven-inning game back there? So let me, let me kind of express my concern to you, Bart. Let's say you go Cade Smith in the nine-inning game. All right, you piece things together after that. You get through it. Now you come out. Somebody's got to pitch a seven-inning game that's a little bit unproven in the rotation. If they have a bad inning, the, the thing about shorter games is there's less room for error, right? Because if somebody comes out and has a bad inning, you've got six fewer outs to deal with it offensively. You see where I'm going here? I do see where you're going, and it also does open up the factor that a lot of people begin to bring up like me and you, talking heads, that – Love the game of baseball because there are so many different ways to think about things. We start talking about philosophical. And what's that old philosophical thought is if you're playing a doubleheader is I can finish a game with one guy and then he sits and rests for 30 minutes and you just start him in game two. We have seen that before in tournament baseball. So let me ask you this question. If it's a, if it's a deal where you get to the fifth inning, sixth, no, excuse me, the eighth inning, of game one. You get to the eighth inning of game one, and you've got a lead. If you're down on pitchers, would you consider closing out game one with Parker Stinnett and then starting him in game two? No. Well, no. I wouldn't either, not against Princeton, but now, I'm just saying. Yeah, now, if it was um, – no, if you go back to that tournament situation, you got to win it. That's one thing. I think in a – Lower classification, you'll have less turnaround time. I'm always worried that 30 minutes becomes 45. And next thing you know, it's an hour and you're kind of dragging around. I'm hoping that tomorrow, you know, they used to, what was they used to always tell us in Little League, you know, always have the umpire, run them in, run them out, let's go. You know, you didn't want a lot of time between innings. Now you've got, you have to have that set time. But tomorrow, it for me, I almost want to go old school. Just let's cut the walk-up songs. Let's cut it off. Just get in the box. Let's play ball. Uh, so Matt was with me last night on the broadcast, and I'm assuming you were in the outfield. Am I wrong? Am I right? No, you are correct. Okay. I didn't know if, if you wanted to say where you were last night. And so a couple times last night, Fred Cannon, the home plate umpire, the music was going a little long, and he was like waving and like looking at us, like me and Matt, and just like, stop the music. Stop playing the music. And you just kind of like point down the yeah, other exactly. way. Exactly, and that's what I said on the air. I was like, hey, Fred, you know, 
over here is just the broadcasters. You need to point down the left field line, and that's where they're playing the music. So I'm fine with that. We talked to Buck about that a couple of years ago, Buck Showalter. They did that in Baltimore a few years ago. Yeah, they, they had the riots, and they had to shut down no, no crowd, and so they played empty stadiums. I'm not against walk-up music as long as it's played right. I am against walk-up music at 11-year-old baseball or 9-year-old baseball or 10-year-old baseball. Some mom over there cranking the jukebox. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the problem with that, and I don't want to sound like the grumpy old man here, but if if it's a you know cloverleaf ballpark and you got four fields side by side by side, and you got somebody cranking up Welcome to the Jungle in between innings. And then, the, you know, Johnny over here is on the nine-year-old field trying to pitch, and he's got Welcome to the Jungle on the field next to him. And it's just a complete just smorgasbord. Some guy's got center field going by John Fogarty, and it's all like t- it's too much. No consistency. It's overstimulation. So, all right, let's go back to my question, though. Okay. Seven-inning game. If you're making out the lineup card, you throw in Cade Smith game one or game two. I'm throwing Cade Smith game two, and here's the reason why. Is, and you're not going to like this, I think Cade Smith could pitch the whole game. I, think, I do too. I mean, I, I think I think I look back to, say, Dylan Carmouche for Tulane against La Tech, and one of the reasons they beat La Tech, and I'm not making excuses for Louisiana Tech right here, is if you get a strong pitching outing and a guy that can go deep, then – he could pitch the whole game for you. Now, you, here's the thing, too, though, is you, you can't go and just say we know that Cade's going to pitch the whole game and then you not burn pitchers in game one. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, my, th- my thought, though, is you've just got a little less room for error in a seven-inning game. You know, you, you can't outlast. If some guy for Princeton just pitches out of his mind, you, it's, you gotta, it's you got a little less time to outlast them. What's the old Bill Parcells line? Games aren't long enough for bad teams. And the idea is that the longer a game goes, the more it favors the better team. Exactly. And that's kind of the point I was trying to make is you would have to say it equalizes that third game a little bit more for Princeton because you would have to think we have a deeper pin. Now, with the injuries that we have, I don't know how you you start talking about depth. I don't know if we're the team to start talking about that with a whole lot of gusto. But you would think we'd have more pitching depth. And where you separate yourself on a Sunday against an Ivy League team is the fifth, the sixth, the seventh inning on a Sunday. And now all of a sudden you're bringing that two innings back. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm probably going with Cade Smith in the first game. That's what everybody's going to do. That's what they're going to do. I mean, that's conventional wisdom says just throw him out there. And then if we have to piecemeal the sixth inning on of game one and then the entire seven innings of game two, we just – we kind of know what we're working with with a known. Now, the well, big- let me give you one other argument for pitching him game two, and that is if if Princeton holds to their lineup, then they're going with um, Shimoleski in the first game. Okay, hey, listen. Okay, I want to go there real quick. Okay, yeah. So where you're headed here. Yeah. So what? Yesterday, I sent you a text, and this is great. This is phenomenal. I mean, you want to know why Princeton is in the Ivy League? And you want to know why they're smart is because they think of stuff like this. When you're broadcasting sports, a lot of times, I would say 60% of the time, you get a pronunciation guide. And I've gotten tweets before. You've gotten tweets before. When you're broadcasting a game and you're playing a team that you've never seen before, 
and sometimes you just don't know. You go down to the dugout, and the manager will tell you something completely different just because he wants to hear it said wrong. Oh, that happens a lot. All the time. Oh, yeah. So you don't trust anybody in the dugout. Other That's than, a baseball thing. It is. Everybody wants to be funny. It's like Scott Polk telling Harold Reynolds in the College World Series that Ron Polk was his dad. All right? And it didn't happen, but Harold Reynolds said it on the air, and everybody's like, ha-ha, he actually said that on the air. So what Princeton does is they walk through the dugout, and they send this to the broadcasters. They go through the dugout, and they let everybody say their name which I'm, I don't know how much you could trust that either. But at the end of the day, I can point back to this if a kid's mother gets mad. They have a guy, Nick DiPietrantonio, right? And so yesterday they send this, this thing to us all, Charlie, and I sent it to you where they – let me see if I can play this. Scott Bandora. Okay, Scott Bandora. Matt Scannell. Matt Scannell. Nick DiPietrantonio. Nick DiPietrantonio. Nick DiPietrantonio. Say it again. Actually, have you say that one more time. Nick DiPietrantonio. All right, so this is what we get yesterday. And so Nick DiPietrantonio, I had it right perfectly yesterday. And he's going to bat second in the he's going to bat second in the second inning. So the entire time between we get out in the first to the top of the second, I use that entire minute to listen to that over and over and over. I'm going to beat it into my brain. Nick DiPietrantonio, okay? Seven syllables in the last name. And so he comes to the plate and Wyatt's looking at me. I mean, he's putting the pressure on. <laughs> and I was like, all right, here comes the third baseman, Nick Petriani. And he just looks at me and starts, <laughs> starts laughing. And I start thinking about Harry Carey and Mark Grizzolanic. And so it's, it's amazing. You can say it in your mind a thousand times, but until you say it the first time, you can butcher somebody's last name. You think well, he, he has a nickname in the dugout. What it is, I don't know. But whether it's Nicky D, I mean, he's not being called whatever that word was. That, De, that's a challenge. DePietrantonio. Here's the thing. It's not DePetri. And I'm not making fun of his last name at all. I'm just saying, hey, it's a good one. Marischewski, Shapiro, Scannell. I mean, they've got some guys with some, some pretty good hat you know, last got, name. So pitching tomorrow, Shimoleski. Shimole- well, I think that's how he said it, Tom Shimoleski. I don't know if I got that far on listening through here. But if you're a, a Princeton person, just let, just know that's phenomenal that you send just a file to someone, just text it to us, and say, here's how you say the names of all of our players. So thank you, even though that we did not use it correctly. <laughs> all right, so Shimoleski, opponents are hitting 375 against him. That's pretty good. And the guy for the hitters. D'Alessio, I suppose – 261 against him. So, arguably, their better pitcher going last, too. Now, look, it shouldn't matter. Uh, you go back and Jackson Emus, the guy that started yesterday, numbers-wise, he was great coming in. He had had good outings against Purdue, against VCU, opponents hitting 133 against him. And yesterday, boy, you think Kellum Clark would love to run into that guy every weekend? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the sweet spot for Kellum is 
86 mile an hour fastball because <laughs> that was it yesterday. And I mean, hey, big night for Kellum. And looking back at that game, the three run home run in the first inning was big to get the three runs back. Luke Hancock with a double on the first pitch at the bottom of the first. You know, Princeton took a one nothing lead as Brandon Cumming hit a home run the first batter, worked the count full, got a fastball up and in, just rode it out of the yard. That was their first run. And so we scored three in the bottom of the first, which I thought was big. Kellum Clark had you know, seven RBIs in the game. And let me tell you, the two home runs were missiles. But, Charlie, if you're looking for glass half full, to me, if people ask me what was the most positive thing that happened last night for Mississippi State, and you may laugh at this. Well, you may not, you're not going to laugh at it because I, I know you, we kind of have the same wavelength when it comes to this. To me, the thing that was the most impressive thing last night that I take from it that was very positive, in a left-on-left situation in the sixth inning with Eric Hofer on the mound for Princeton, he threw a fastball in the heart of the plate to Kellum Clark, and what did Kellum do with it? He lined it into left center field in the gap, an RBI double. That tells me he was on it. What did we talk last year to Rafael Palmero about, about Tanner Allen, about fastball left on left and sometimes you see it right on right too that that's what tells me a guy's locked in is when he goes left center field left on left and hits a hard hit ball off a fastball and I'll add to that too because the thing that makes it even more impressive his other at bats weren't singles I mean he he drives two out so it's kind of like the equivalent of a guy who's on fire from three-point range being willing to settle for the mid-range jump shot you know, it's it's one thing to come up there and you've gone one for four in a day and go the other way. But on a guy who was just killing the ball and was on a day where it was pretty favorable to run one out to right, I thought that made it even more impressive because there's a little bit, and I think this word gets used a lot incorrectly, but there was a little bit of an approach aspect to that too. I mean, there was the idea of a disciplined at bat. And I think that's harder to do when you're having a big day at the plate. Okay, so the elephant in the room off of yesterday, and of course we won 11-2. It's kind of hard to get into that. First of all, Preston Johnson was good. He settled down. He threw 30 pitches in the first inning, came back, went six last night. He settled settled down, settled in, and he struck out a career-high 10. So that's the positive on the pitching side. I thought, okay, the elephant in the room is is Cameron James drawing the start in left field. You and I have been talking about this pretty much all year, about you're going to get to see – Cameron James in the outfield at some point, you would think. So he starts in left field. We keep Cumbest in center field. Brad's and not what we expected there. I think the conventional wisdom was sooner or later we'd see Cameron James in center. But it tells you that they're pretty comfortable with Brad Cumbest in center right now. Well, to be honest with you, Brad can go get some balls, man. I mean, he's a big dude, but he can go get some balls. And so he's you, faster than he looks. He is. It's like, so, a, was it Matt Jones, quarterback at Arkansas? Right. He looked like he was running in slow motion, but he was outrunning everybody. So Cameron James was actually tested in the first inning, second batter after the home run. Uh, Espinel hits the ball down the line, and Cameron gets over there and cuts it off and then throws him out trying to stretch it to a double. And so you saw a good athletic outfield play and listen I'm not going to get into scouting right now and talking about what a guy projects as but just by looking at it Cameron James could project as an outfielder at the next level but I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on that but 
Did it surprise you that Cameron James goes to left field? And then, of course, Slade offered. We put him in at uh, third base last night. His first career start at third, the freshman from Madison, Alabama. And hey, he walked three times yesterday. Didn't give him anything to hit in the first three at-bats at all. Now, he didn't take himself – he didn't take himself out of the at-bat by swinging at bad pitches. That's the positive there. That's the positive. And so the third time up, he grounds out to the shortstop. His last time up, he gets an infield single that he owes the uh, official score uh, a Diet Coke or something over because I would have probably put that one as an error, but I'm not going to stand on the box for that one at all. But uh, Tanner Leggett started at second last night. Lane Forsyth started at short. He had Leggett going one for four. He had a double. Lane Forsyth went one for four, had a two-run single. But uh, Slade offered, you just kind of get the feel, you know, with a guy like Alford and then a guy like Aaron Downs, that those are two freshmen that are going to hit. They just have to play a lot. Now, the thing that's, that hurts Aaron Downs is Kellum Clark beginning to hit the ball well. And so you kind of wonder what Kellum is going to do against left-handed pitching. It goes back to the point of him going the other way and maybe having a different approach left on left that may not get Aaron down to the lineup in the outfield as much. and so. But at the end of the day, it was a good night. Well, I'll give you another thing to take from that yesterday, and that was that Luke Hancock was in the lineup. You know, Luke Hancock came out of the ball game on Wednesday. And, look, I will say a lot of things about Mississippi State and our baseball program and athletic administration, but right now I think it's safe to say, and I don't even think they would argue with me, they are um, – I don't want to say less than forthcoming, but they they do not get out in front of the publicity when it comes to injuries. And so you saw Hancock leave that game and kind of I've kind of been wondering the past couple of days, is he okay? So I thought it was good to see him in there getting the leadoff double. It was almost like nobody realized that was a fair ball because when he hit that ball, like there was no reaction. And yeah. It just kind of ends up at second base and everybody's like, wait, what happened? Um but so I thought it was good to see him back out there. Now, uh, supposedly, I, the quote is uh, attributed to Chris Lamonis that maybe we'll know more Monday. They're getting some second opinions. But right now, you got Stone Simmons out. You got Landon Sims out. Casey Hunt, we haven't seen since the second day of the season. Now, I did see Casey Hunt in the dugout last night. Well, you saw Landon Sims in the dugout, too. Well, you? Casey Hunt actually had a jersey on. Okay, well, that's positive. He wasn't wearing the pullover. No, no. And so, um, what's the thing about getting second opinions? Is you didn't like the first? Well, <laughs> there's. So, I mean, I hate, hate to say it like that, but, I mean, um, and he said Stone Simmons and then uh, Landon Sims getting those second opinions as well. So, we'll know more about that. Of course, we play doubleheader tomorrow, a nine and a seven, and then Tuesday night against Binghamton. And, hey, we went through, we talked about Jackson Emus. I thought we hit him well. He had only walked three guys coming in all season long. He walks three in the game last night early. Here's the here's the takeaway I take from a lot of stuff, Charlie, is VCU, who was really good last year, they were the two seed in our regional. They have really taken a step back this year. Just looking at their scores and who they played, they haven't been very good at all this year. And uh, we kind of got in depth on Jackson Emus on our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. And Tracks Plus, four locations, three in the state of Mississippi, Hickory, Mississippi, Columbus, Startville, Summit, and then uh, down in Louisiana and Alexandria, Louisiana. So go by and see our good friends at Tracks Plus with that great Barco forestry equipment, the Saney Mini Excavators and Excavators, 
Massey Ferguson at all the locations except for Columbus and Startville. And so Daniel Bounds, Fred Fulton in Columbus, Ken Crosby in Hickory, Gresh Howell in Summit, and Hoop Weems down in Alexandria, Louisiana, our good friends at Trax Plus. At the end of the day, final ga- final weekend, non-conference play, Princeton, a team that is winless, bless their heart, they're not very good. No, they're not. And I tried to make them better than they are. I don't – Purdue must not be very good either. Well, they're undefeated. Yeah, I hear you. But it's all about who you play. not be very good either. So, all right, who's your other starter? I mean, isn't that the question right now? You, you, this is your final weekend to figure it out. Is Are you going to throw Stanette, having already pitched on Tuesday? Is that enough rest for him? Well, you may throw him out there for, you know, three innings, four innings. That is, hey, if you're looking for a positive for us playing a seven-inning game, I mean, him the ability to throw three innings is like him being able to throw five on a regular weekend. You see what I'm saying? Okay. I'll, I'll buy into that. That's, that's, uh, that's really looking at some positive math right there. I think I'll throw Stanette out there. Stanette threw 93 pitches last Tuesday. Oh, man. You're talking me out of it, Charlie. You're talking me out of it. But sooner or later, if if he's the guy, you're going to have to pop him on a weekend. You're not going to save him. He's not going to be a guy that that rests all the way until next weekend and pitch him over in Athens, Georgia, is he? No, you can't do that. And so then the question becomes, do you pitch him three innings as a start to you know tomorrow? Or do you throw him an inning or two to Only start? Forty-five the, pitches, or start him on Tuesday night against Binghamton, or Tuesday afternoon. No, I'd, I go ahead and get it out of the way. Yeah, I think I'd go ahead. And th- if you think he's going to be your guy, and I think there's a chance he is, then I'd probably roll him fifty pitches. I mean, look, he's it's five days. It's not like we're he pitched on Thursday. No. Um, hey, first before we go any further, you and I both went down to Biloxi this past week. Let me tell you this. I'm all for that every year. Oh, man, it was great. I'm all for that. I know we play two games in Pearl every year, and I know from a scheduling standpoint there are quirks sometimes and you can't do it. I enjoy going to Pearl. I love playing Southern Miss and Old Miss and Pearl. But I let like me tell seeing you this. some of our Coast friends. Man, i tell you what. Tuesday and Wednesday was awesome. And it wasn't just guys from the Coast. I mean, all of our Coast friends were there. But, man, I saw James Robinson from Birmingham. I mean, I see all these people from different parts who just kind of take off and go down there for the you know, for the midweek, and it was great. I ran into uh, Brad Cummins' dad, ran into Tanner Allen's dad, had a chance to talk with them for a while, and, and um, you know, it was, it, was, it was pretty cool. And so, um, yeah, they did a great job down there. I thought it was well run. The, uh, the, the Shuckers guys did the broadcast, and, I mean, uh, hey – they're the that's the Biloxi Shuckers radio guy that does it, and I thought, you know, from all intents and purposes, from the reviews I got, they did a pretty good job. I'll and tell so, you the one thing: anytime we play on the road, I think what it makes you appreciate is how good <laughs> the guys that run our cameras are. I mean, they they look, and if you don't believe me, go crank up a South Carolina game and watch it, where they got about two cameras rolling. Our guys do a great job producing a game here. Yeah, and so and and a lot of times they don't get the notoriety. Our camera guys, I mean, I think of Lewis Halbert, who's been doing this for a long, long time, and he's normally the guy behind the plate, right over there by us. And Lewis is funny. Molly Halbert's was his Molly Halbert was his dad. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so Molly, of course, started the Bulldog Club in 1974. And uh, so Lewis is the Lewis is usually behind the camera, does a great job. Dylan Bonfanti 
is always usually in center field. And uh, Dylan, of course, Startwell native. But Dylan, let me tell you something, man. ESPN will fly him all over the country. And he works for ESPN on, like, basketball Sunday night, like their big-time stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, he was telling me, like, he's got some Grizzlies games he'll go up and do. And sometimes he's running up there doing graphics. You know what I heard was the hardest thing? I, I was talking to some of the camera guys. I said the hardest sport to run a camera. Golf? Golf. Yeah. Trying to find the ball and to track it into the green. Yeah. They say you got to be big time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, two games tomorrow on Sunday, 11 a.m., 9 o'clock, uh, nine innings, and then the seven innings. Nine innings and then seven innings. And so it'll be a long day of baseball. The weather's going to be a little bit better tomorrow. I think in the 50s is what we're looking at. Weather yesterday, we got to the ballpark, it was 71 degrees. By the time we left, it had gotten cold. <laughs> in, and in you the- could, it was almost like there was a moment in the outfield where somebody – Flip the switch. Yeah, turn on the air conditioner. It was so. My wife shows up in shorts and a t-shirt, and by the time that thing is over, she's like running for the car. Yeah. Hey, it's a quick show this morning, and enjoyed it as always. And once again, thanks to our great friends at Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Tracks Plus, four locations: Hickory, Startwell, Summit, Alexandria, Louisiana, and once again our. Good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House, three locations, two here in Starville, then one in Tupelo, Coldstone Creamery as well. And so we're going to have to do that one Sunday morning and go down to Strange Brew and tape the show. And once again, uh, once again, our good friends at Bank First. Bank First, a better way to bank. Locations throughout Mississippi and Alabama. They're a growing bank, great customer service. And so appreciate all those guys. And, Charlie, enjoyed it. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Doubleheader. You're on the broadcast, right? I'm back. You're back? I'm back. All right. I hope you enjoyed your day in the outfield yesterday. I did. And so I'm going to put you to work tomorrow. So anyway, enjoyed it. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on uh, Sunday Coffee on a Saturday.